Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. With Thrive Church this morning. It's good to have you guys with us. Um, if you're a first-time guest, make sure that you fill out your guest card for us and put it in our blue basket. I'd like to stay in touch with you. And uh, really quick, we had two really awesome things happening this month. March 22nd, we're kicking off our food ministry, and we're pumped about that because part of our mission is you can see it pass it on and we believe as a church part of our desire is to pass on good things to our community and help our community but if you need help let's say that, that you're going through a situation you need some help with food um, make sure you see Manny and Sandra they'll be at the baskets after the worship experience to help you March 22nd 7 p.m. we partner with Chasm and we're looking to feed anywhere from 15 to 20 families and uh, we're praying for even more isn't that exciting the touch of community. Also, too, Easter weekend is huge for us. Huge. Say huge. Okay, make sure you know it. On March 30th, we're partnering with Bensley Elementary and the community to host an Easter egg hunt for them for free. Um, The easiest way to get on a campus and share the gospel is tell them you do everything for free for them. I got friends like, man, I can't get into into schools. I was like, just give stuff away for free. They'll let you in. Uh, Matter of fact, last Tuesday, I was at Meadowbrook High School, and Thrive Church hosted their job fair. So everybody that came in had to come through us and had to talk to us, and that was the coolest thing to get to talk with students. I appreciate the ones who came out and helped us. Um, so we'll be there at Bensley. If you want to help serve, make sure you fill out the form. I'm getting everything ready. We will get you in a place to serve. We're also partnering that day. Check this out. This is good stuff. We're partnering with Ministerios Palabra Viva. They meet here at 2 p.m. Hispanic congregation, fully Spanish-speaking. They're going to partner with us, and so is Light of the World Baptist Church from Abula Elementary. They're going to partner with us. And so we've got three different churches um, coming together to help serve this community. Isn't that cool? Um, and then don't forget, amen, don't forget Easter weekend, um, we have two worship services on Easter, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Make sure you take some invite cards and invite your friends. And here's what I challenge you to do. Take a 30-minute mission trip with me. Can you do that? Here's what I mean. You're like, what is a 30-minute mission trip? I want you to get on email, on your texting, on Twitter, on Facebook, and I want you to share the information about our Easter worship experience. You have no clue who will come that day when you share. Um, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. It's just sometimes we're not ready for it. So make sure you get an invite card, invite some friends, and then I'm going to ask you to take one more missions trip. <laughs> I know y'all. All y'all going to show up at the 11 a.m. service. I'm going to have like 25 people here at 9 a.m. Yeah, you guys are laughing nervously. I need some people to say, I'm going to come to the 9 a.m. service. I'll serve at 11, and then I'm out of here. Because I can get out and have Easter lunch cooked before my family gets there. Isn't that cool? That's a good deal, isn't it? So Easter weekend, I want you guys to be praying for this and really believe in God. I think that um, God's really going to touch some lives uh, that weekend. I am so expectant on what he's going to do here uh, at Thrive Church. I just want to say thank you to all you guys um, to be able to pastor such a good group of people. Um, I've just I've never been a part of a church that it's like, hey man, we've got a food pantry started and people just bring in bags of groceries like, man, we're going to bless this community. It's like, man, we've got an Easter they're like, hey, I'm willing to serve. It is a blessing to be a part of this ministry. And thank you guys for making it pleasant 
on my wife and I's life doing this. Well, you've called us in week three of Sun Stand Still. So turn your Bibles to Joshua 10, verse 12. Um, you should have that marked, highlighted, underlined, page dog-eared. Um, it's saved on your iPad, on your iPhone, whatever you're using. Hopefully it's, ho- hopefully it's Apple. If not, we don't allow any Apple products in here. Matter of fact, if you use anything other than Apple in here with your phone or, or like things like that, it will actually dis- destroy it. <laughs> if you don't believe that. Joshua 10 verse 12. One of my favorite things to do when, when I was a, a kid was at the beach was my dad taking me and lifting me over the waves. You know, the waves would come and, and dad would take you and he would lift you over the wave. He'd like, do it again, do it again. I love jumping waves. And that's one of the, the greatest things and greatest enjoyments I had as a child at the beach. And as I was preparing this message, you know, it dawned on me that that's just like we are when it comes to our walk with God. Do you understand that you're going to have obstacles and things come at you just like waves? And what I had to get to the realization of, and I see it now, I never jumped one wave. My dad jumped them for me. I never lifted myself over one wave. It was my dad who did that for me. Right? He was taking me and picking me up over those waves and dropping me down. See, you don't jump waves. It's not your job to try to get over the obstacles. It's you to rest in God's ability and in God's power for him to lift you above everything that you're going to face. He does all the heavy lifting. All we have to do, when I was a kid, I just lifted my, lifted my hands and said, Wee! and went over the wave. That's, maybe I said it in a much higher pitched voice because I have a lower voice now than I did when I was uh, seven years old. Joshua 10 verse 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stands still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus as we gather every Sunday to do that, God. Let us not ever uh, celebrate music or preaching, but to celebrate the work of the risen Savior, uh, the greatness of the empty tomb, the finished work of the cross. And so, God, we simply today thank you that we don't have to try to overcome in our own strength, but you've given us strength. You've given us all power. You've given us your Holy Spirit who dwells in us, God. We thank you so much for that. Now, I pray that you'd empower this message, God. God, inspire us, and I pray, God, that we would rest in you today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Now, for the past several weeks, we've been looking at the history of of, of this passage here. Joshua was called to conquer the promised land, Canaan, and God brings him to that promised land. And as he's dwelling in that promised land, he realizes there's enemies there. See, it's like when you first get saved, it's like everything's great for about the first year, right? You have no problems. It's like, oh my gosh, I have desires again. I have enemies that, that creep up again. That's what he was facing here. And it's funny because God said, I will give you victory over that. And here's what happens. The Amorites, wicked people that wanted to destroy the Jews. And realize that the Jews are destroyed. There's no Jesus. There's no seed of Messiah. That's why it's important here that when God said destroy all of them, it was important for the salvation of mankind, not just some random battle in the Old Testament. The Amorites started to get away. They were fleeing. And Joshua could see them going over the mountain. And Joshua prays this audacious prayer. Because if they get away, it's like fighting in Afghanistan. 
They're, they're in caves. You can't find them. And God knows how you will ever destroy them. He says, sudden stand still. He prays the sun would stand still. Now, some of you are like, yeah, dude, the sun doesn't move. So even his prayer was wrong. See, that should give us comfort. That even when you don't know really what to pray for, God can understand your heart through misguided prayers sometimes. And the, the, the thing is, the, the, the sun stopped or the earth stopped. And Joshua was given complete victory. See, I believe that we've got to move from praying these, these VBS prayers, these Sunday school prayers of God bless me today, God just be with me, to wish, believe God that He can move mountains, and that He can do great things in our life. And many of us operate in what I call a passive faith. We kind of just let things come at us. We, we let it hit us. But if you study this, this prayer here, Joshua said, I refuse to have anything less than complete victory in my life over my enemies. And when you begin to pray like this, you're like, man, I got it. I'm going to pray audacious prayers. I'm going to live with audacious faith. Realize you're going to get in over your head. Just like the waves. When you start living for God and doing things for God, you will get in over your head. And it's in those times that you have to trust God to lift you above whatever you are facing. Like I said during our, our worship time, I believe some of you are exhausted emotionally, spiritually, physically, because you are trying to do it in your own strength and your own power. And the secret of the gospel is to let your daddy lift you over the situation. If you don't understand this concept, you will be crushed by the opposition. See, when you face waves, here's what you have to do is rest in God's promises. Because all of you are facing waves right now, right? You've got things bigger than you are, greater than your strength, that are coming at you. Some of you had a doctor's report this week and it came at you and, and you didn't like the report that you got and it's scaring you. Some of you got a financial report this week and maybe your taxes came back and it wasn't good. And, and you're worried of how this is going to happen. Maybe some of you are dealing with relationship issues. But at any rate, we're all dealing with waves, right? Things coming at us that are bigger than what we are. And God will give you a promise and he'll give you a perspective. When God was delivering the Israelites from Pharaoh's hand, he told them in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. See, he gave a promise. The Lord will fight for you. That's the promise. What's the perspective? You only need to be still. And anytime you're facing waves, God will give you a promise and he'll give you a perspective. See, it may be your job to cross over, but it's God's job to see you through the crossover. And here's the thing. If you'll do the believing, God will do the achieving. He is the wave jumper. I know some of you are like, man, I really want to step out and do things for God. I really want to, to take that step of faith. I want to be that person you're talking about. Juggernaut prayers week one. I'm scared I may let God down. Have you felt like that? I heard somebody say this week, I'm scared to let God down. Can I just tell, tell you something? You can never let God down because you were never holding him up. Amen. Realize he's the one holding you up. His grace is able to make you stand according to Romans 14 and 15. And so when you're living with audacious faith and you're looking at these waves that are coming, you cannot put the, 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 the strength on yourself for that to happen. I want you to realize that 
this morning, I want to share with you how to overcome those waves. Because if you're going to live with audacious faith, and you're going to overcome those waves, can I, can I tell you something? You've got to live in this word called perhaps. Touch your neighbor and say perhaps. Just so you remember the, the key to this message. You're going to live in a paradox when you begin to live with audacious faith. You're going to live in this paradox. And what is a paradox? A paradox is two seemingly contradictory realities. God says this, but I see this. Well, if I do this, then this is going to happen, right? And you've got to learn to live in this perhaps paradox that you're going to see in this passage. Turn to 1 Samuel 14, verse 2. 1 Samuel 14, verse 2. And this is one of my favorite passages, but it's very obscure. And it's a little confusing. So turn to 1 Samuel 14, 2. And as you turn, I want to share with you what's happening. The Israelites have their arch rival. They have their cross-town rivalry called the Philistines. And in 1 Samuel 14, 2, what you see is that the Philistines have the Israelites backed up. They're at a standstill. So you've got the, the Israelites here, Philistines here. And the Philistines says, we're not moving. As a matter of fact, we're going to destroy you. And the Israelites, check this out, they're under a pomegranate tree hanging out. Now, now there's a young man named Jonathan who I love in this passage. He sees Saul and all of his army and the priest under a pomegranate tree, which in that day and time, the pomegranate tree, the pomegranate was the best fruit available. It was like the top fruit. And the leaves provided great shade from the heat. And so they're hanging out, chilling under a pomegranate tree while their enemies are taunting them. And here's what Jonathan does. He gets ticked off. He says, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. Remember September? I said, Nehemiah. He said, I've got to stand up. I've got to do something. It's got to be. That's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. Some of y'all remember that? Same thing here. Jonathan says, I'm sick of this. And he convinces this one young armor bearer to come with him. To faith, two men launch out to take on an army. Now, is that, is that a wave? Would you all agree that's a wave? It's like me saying, Alan, all right, man, what we're going to do, me and you, we're going to go against this army over here. Not spiritual army, I'm a real, real army. I've got a sword. You don't even have one because you're an armor bearer. So um, you've got to come with me and we're going to take this whole army out. Now, that sounds really good, like saying it here, but could you imagine that you know you're going to get taken out? But he finds this one young armor bearer that goes with him. So catch up at verse 2 here. Let's look at what, um, what's happening. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migran. And realized, again, a pomegranate tree was a place of comfort, a place of, in the shade. He had everything provided for him. With him were about 600 men, among whom were Ajiha, uh, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. He was a son of Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory has departed. Anytime you choose comfort over God's will, you will not find God's glory resting on your life to do what God's called you to do. Anytime you say, I'm going to step back and it's comfortable, this is my comfort zone, this is how I've always been, then you will miss out on doing what God's called you to do. I remember listening to, this, to a message 
And this guy pointed this point out here, and I was on a treadmill making $40,000 a year, running, had a great office, a great job at a church, and I knew God was calling me to Florida to start a church. But I was scared because the wave was so big that was coming at me. Losing all my salary, stepping out into a place where I knew no one. And this message, when I heard, not this message here, but this, this word here, it really spoke to me on that. And I said, God, I've, I've got to step out from under the pomegranate tree. See, some of you are under the pomegranate tree, but I didn't even come to say that today. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bazez and the other Seneth. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other toward the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, I love this, draw your attention here, check in with me. Come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. And say this with me, perhaps the Lord, well, that was weak, say it with me, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord, saving whether by many or by few. It seems like he is talking out of both sides of his mouth, isn't it? There's a paradox. He tells this guy, it's not like it's like Alan, it's like me telling you. Not, hey man, I got a great plan. We're gonna take these guys out. I've got it drawn out. It's like perhaps God's gonna work. I don't know about you, but when I step out and do what God's called me to do, I need a little more than a perhaps. Uh, maybe you have much more faith than I do, and I need you to pray for me after service. I'll be standing over there with the prayer counselors, and you can just lay hands on me. But what we see here is a paradox. And if you're going to live with audacious faith, I'm going to speak to you about real faith today. Not TV faith. Not if you send me $100, God will wipe out 100000 in your account. I'm not talking about that type of faith. I'm talking about what it really means to live by faith. And it's going to be a paradox. Two contradicting, seemingly contradicting realities. Look at the first one. You can write in your notes this. The first paradox is the confident humility paradox. The confident humility paradox. And look at Matthew 8, 8. Lord, I do not, Lord I, Lord, I do deserve to have you come under my roof. Uh, excuse, excuse me, I, my notes are wrong. The scriptures are right. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Leading military official. He said, Lord, I do not deserve. You see the humility part? But just say the word and it'll be done. That's confidence. And if you're going to live with audacious faith, you've you got to have this mix of both. You can't, you can't be totally confident with no humility. You can't live without humility, or with humility without confidence. And I like what Jonathan had. He had the same outlook. He was confident in God, but had a humble approach. He was like, look, man, perhaps God will work. Humility. But I know he can save by many or by view. Confidence. Do you see those two at tandem at work there? Both of them are happening. And I believe the reason Jonathan did this, he had a revelation of God that nobody else had. He was willing to do something that nobody else would do because he knew God at a level that nobody else in that, in that camp knew God. See, what's the most important question about someone? It's this right here. What do you believe about God? Because what you believe about God will determine what you will do for God. And, and Jonathan believed that God could save by many or that God could save by few. And obviously Saul and the priest didn't know this. 
because they would have stepped out, right? So Jonathan had this revelation that, man, God can do anything and, and He can save with me or without me. I have confidence in Him. And so Jonathan has a crazy battle plan to step out and do this. You will see that all throughout the Bible. See, when you have a revelation of God and who He really is, you have confidence in what He can do. Now, here's the paradox. How can you be confident and humble at the same time? Let me share this. Confidence without humility is arrogance. My God can do anything. I don't care what you tell me. And you're mean and arrogant. There's no humbleness there. There's, 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 no, there's no sense of humility. Have you been around those guys before? I mean, they will cut your, your ear off. I mean, you get to a place where you're mean. So, but he watch this. Humility without confidence is weakness. You can't go out and say, well, I just hope God will do it. And I don't know. And uh, just, I just uh, just live my own life. You can't be that way either. You've got to know that God can save by many and God can save by few. And you're just praying that he's going to get involved in the situation that you're in because you know that he can do it. See, arrogance puts it on our shoulders where confident humility places it on his shoulders. And some of you are arrogant because you're placing the world on your shoulders. You're putting it all on yourself. My family, will, the only way they can make it is if I come through. And if I make it, if I'm the superhero in the situation, let God be the superhero. You cannot handle the weight that you're putting on your shoulders. See, here's the deal. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That is putting emphasis on God's ability. Our job is obedience. His job is results. When I'm coaching pastors, I tell them, you can't make a thing happen in your own strength. Your job is to be obedient and God will bring the results when you are obedient. I remember, in a, in, I'm a fix-it guy. How many fix-it guys or gals we got in here? You're going to fix it. You're going to handle that situation. I'm going to take care of it. Right? I'm that type of guy. I mean, if it's broken, I'm going to fix it. If something's wrong, I'm going to get on it. But I've had to learn in maturity that that's not always the way God works. There was a, a situation in ministry I had before, and this one person was just, was just it's like Satan incarnate had come in my church. <laughs> it was crazy. It was like you couldn't ask for a meaner individual that called themselves a believer. So I don't know how those two co coexist. You can be mean and be a Christ follower. I, and I really wanted to sit down and set that person straight and just tell them exactly what needed to happen. That's me, right? If you guys know I'm honest and I'm real, that's two things I am. Amen. And, and, and I get ready to go meet with this person, and God tells me, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm like, that's right, God. After I get done, I'll stand still. <laughs> but I want to handle this situation. See, and I'll tell you, I did not handle it. I stepped back, I prayed, I let God handle the situation. He totally took care of it. It was amazing how God handled the situation. Now, I'm not saying be passive and don't step into things. Some of you are like really passive. You're like, good, I don't have to deal with anything. No, you do. But the point here is, is that you've got to allow God to handle situations. You've got to learn to say, God, this wave is coming and there's no way I can jump it. I can only get over if you give me the ability to get over this situation. It's not in your strength or your wits, but it's in God's power that moves in the situation that will make the difference. You gotta let him do the heavy lifting. We were painting a kids' room one time, me and one of my really good friends uh, in the kids' ministry room. 
And so we got our rollers out, just me and him and his daughter, who was three years old, decided to help. Now, how many of you know that can be a bad idea sometimes? And three-year-olds are more work than they are help when it comes to painting. Amen? Well, she's helping, and she does a good job. She's painting, she's got her little roller, and she's doing the same spot over and over and over. There was no, there, there was no bleed through. You could, you could not see. It was all yellow. You couldn't see a thing. She was going, and we painted the whole room. Two and a half hours, we get it done. And she looks, and she says, Daddy, look, I painted the room. He's like, yes, you did. You did such a good job. That was awesome. It was looking at her like, yeah. See, that's what God does to us. You're not, you're not doing it. You're not the one. I'm changing the world, God. Look at me. He's like, that's cute. Oh, God. You're so darling. Because the truth of the matter of the gospel is he lets us partner with him, and he does most of the work. We just get to partner in it. It's not us doing it. It's, it's him doing it. And when you're approaching a situation that is bigger than you are, you've got to have a confident humility paradox. God, I'll roll. There's no way I could do this all on my own, in my own strength. I need you to partner with me. And that's what it means to be confident and humble at the same time. Here's the second point this morning. Write in your notes. The perhaps paradox. The perhaps paradox in 1 Samuel 14, 6. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. That means they were not in covenant with the living God. They didn't have God on their side. And this is my favorite verse. Let's go. And the guy's like, yeah. And here's his battle. Here's his Braveheart speech. You guys like Braveheart? I do. Could you imagine Braveheart standing in front of everybody and saying, Perhaps we'll win. Really? That's the speech that you're giving to take on a whole army? And then he does, he, he redeems himself, humility and confidence. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now to draw your attention just to a passage, you can write in your notes. Don't try to turn there, so I'm going to say it fast. 2 Chronicles 14.11. 2 Chronicles 14.11. I want you to watch this here. Look at the similarity. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said... This is a king in trouble. Waves are coming. Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Sounds like the same verse, doesn't it? Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. Not even the same passage, but the same prayer, perhaps. You will act on our behalf. Perhaps you'll get involved. And here's what Jonathan was saying. He had a battle plan that was potentially God-inspired and ridiculous. He was saying, if we get to go ahead from God, we're going. Two on thousands. Are you ready for this? And this young armor bearer, I mean, this guy, this guy, he needs his name in the Bible. I don't know why his name was not put because it took a lot of faith to jump out and do this. And they stepped out. See, these stories represent perhaps. And that's where many of us are at in our life when it comes to faith is perhaps. If we'll just be honest, if we'll be real instead of put on a facade at church, we're in a place where we're in a perhaps. And you don't know what God is going to do. You don't know how the situation is going to turn out. You don't know. I do know. I'm glad. I'm glad you know because I don't. I hope you can follow a leader that sometimes, you know, you, you, you want to have an eagle leader that soars above and sees what they're doing. And they're an eagle leader. And everybody wants to be an eagle leader. I, I'm not an eagle leader. There's some leaders who are hawks and they're like, I see it and I'm going to get it. I don't feel like that. Then you got a bat out of Hades leader. 
they're screaming, they're flying through the air, and they're screaming and hoping that God will help them get through the mess they're in. And that's how I feel like half the time. I wake up Mondays screaming, flying through the air, saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And this is what they had here. They didn't know what was going to happen. This is how true faith really feels. And here's what perhaps means. You say, God, I know you can do anything, but I believe you're willing to do this specific thing. I know that you can save, heal, redeem. I'm pretty sure that you want to work in this situation. And that's what perhaps is. That you know God is all-powerful. You know He can do all things. But, but, but you believe that He is willing to do this specific thing that you're involved in. And that's where perhaps comes. It's saying this. I know God can, and I'm pretty sure He will. You, do you know how, how you really operate in perhaps? His promise is bigger than the perhaps that you're facing. That you're facing this situation like, um, but I know what God's promise says. And I know what His Word says. I'm going to say this to you. If you don't know God's promises, and this is not a put down, I've got, I had a friend give me Five books of God's promises, little books, just promises from the Bible. If you want one, I will give that to you. Because you've got to know what the Bible says. As I I said a couple weeks ago, His promises. Because if you don't know His promise, you will always live in a perhaps. See, my ministry life has been a perhaps. I mean, guys, I felt God was calling me to Florida. I had this great job. It was awesome. Everything was in place. And I had a young armor bearer. I say armor bear. I don't have armor bears in church. We, we, we don't. We don't. We don't. I don't need. I can carry my water and my Bible. It's cool. I got it. <laughs> but I had this 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 guy Jim, who's now the pastor there. He spoke in December. I was like, man. I remember sitting in a in a Sunday school classroom at this church. I said, I, I believe God can do anything, but I'm, I think He's willing to do this specific thing. Do you want to move to Florida, 800 miles away, to a city you've never been to, and let's 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 go start a church? We don't know anybody. I don't have any money. I don't have a plan. I don't even know the name of church. I don't even know if God's... I don't, no angel showed up and spoke to me in a dream and gave me a heavenly vision. I did not hear the audible voice of God. I just... I really believe God's living. And you know what? He was like, hey man, let's do it. So on a perhaps... And here's what we based our whole ministry on down there. We started an apartment with three people. The church now runs 75 to 100 Here's what, it's, here's what we... Let's just see what God does. Let's just see what God does. I don't know what He's going to do. We may step out down here and nobody ever comes. But it doesn't debilitate God's power. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what God does. I'm telling you, when you step out with that, sometimes faith is going to feel that way. I believe God can do anything and I believe He is willing to do this specific thing. And you may ask, well, what if God doesn't do it? What if I step out and God doesn't do it? Shift your thinking. What if God does do it? All right. What if you step out and God does come through? I like what John Wimber said, the founder of the Vineyard Movement. They asked John Wimber, and he had a powerful healing ministry. People were, were physically healed of ailments and things like that. And they said, John, well, what happens if you pray for someone and they don't get healed? He said, I just go to the next one. And that's how we have to be in our life and what God's doing. Uh, Just be willing for whatever God wants to do to move with Him in your life. Perhaps the Lord will act. Nothing can hinder the Lord. Perhaps He will act. Here's your third and final point this morning. 
the 55% sure paradox. Is this okay so far? Amen. Thank you. Psalms 119, 105. The 55% sure paradox. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jonathan was not 100% this would work. He wasn't sure that this was going to be the thing that really was going to work here. And that's how God works with us. You're never going to be 100% sure. Some of you know that God is calling you to, to step out of a relationship that's dangerous and it's harmful and it's, it's hurting you. Some of you know that there's, there's situations you need to step out of and be obedient. You know that there's things that you're going through and you're like, well, I'm just not 100% sure yet. Some of you know God's calling you to something. To step out from under the pomegranate tree, you're like, I'm just not 100% sure yet. If you wait for all the facts, the moment will pass. And, and the, the Bible says that God's word is a lamp to our feet. You know what that means? It's like a flashlight walking in the dark. God will show you your next steps, but he's not going to show you 50 steps down the road. And if you're not willing to take the next steps, you'll never get to the steps beyond that. And you have to get to a point where you say, his word will show me what today holds. Friends, today is big enough, isn't it? I don't need to know what next year holds. It would scare me to death. But his words are laughing, and you've got to understand that faith is living by 55% sure sometimes. See, we would love to all live in a land where God lets us do big things that require little risk, right? It would be great if God just let us go accomplish great things, there was no risk involved. That's not what true faith is like. That's not what audacious faith is like. There's a risk that is in the situation. And let me just say this, and this is my opinion, this is my experience. I have much more experience than I look. That's why I let my gray hair grow out to fool some of you guys to think that I'm 40. I'm not 40. I'm only 33. Some of say, my pastor's 40 years old. I'm like, I am not 40. I'm 33. I turned 34 in a month. So, <laughs> here's my experience. Anytime somebody was 100% sure, 100% sure it was God kicking down the door, it usually didn't work. Now, now, now you may have seven stories that, that trump mine. I'm just the one that has the microphone. But I remember church planters I would talk to and work with, and I'd say, man, well, how do you feel? I know it's God. We're leaving next week. We're packing our house. We're going to start a church. We're gonna... He'd call him two years later. Man, how's the church going, man? We're living back in our hometown again. We went to plant the church, and it, it didn't work. I'm telling you, and, and I laugh about that, but I'm telling you, I've seen dreams completely crushed because people, st- they, were, they, were, they were arrogant. And sometimes when you think you're 100% sure, back off and get wisdom. Because true faith is being about 55% sure sometimes. So there's a call to trust God. Mother Teresa had this man visit her one day. And she said, what would you like for me to pray for you about? He said, Mother Teresa, I've never seen a woman with such clarity and strength in her life. I want you to pray for me, Mother Teresa, that I would have clarity, that I would know what God has called me to do, just as you know what God's called you to do. Mother Teresa looks at this young man and says, I refuse to pray for you. And he's taken back. Mother Teresa wouldn't pray. Why won't you pray for me? She says, I've never had clarity one day of my life, only trust. 
when we stepped out to move to Virginia the decision was made a little less than a year ago it was the cloudiest foggiest decision ever I mean I needed Rudolph to guide me through the situation and I'm being serious I, I left lovely people man me and Diana loved the people still do love the people we go back to South Florida I remember getting off and it's 76 degrees and palm trees and everything has sunshine but I remember going and wrestling I said I said sweetheart I said God's not said no yet but he's not said yes either I feel like I'm in this I just, I just don't really know and it was a big risk for us we didn't know how it was going to turn out here I mean, we even met the leaders and said, there's a possibility. There's a possibility. This may not work. But we're going to try. Because we know that the Lord can save by many or by few. And so we came to Virginia about 50. I said, we're 55% sure that's enough for me. And sometimes you've got to understand there's the other side of faith that you've got to operate in. See, Moses goes to God. Watch this here. He goes to God and says, God, how will I know that you're sending me to Pharaoh? Huge wave. You guys have been watching Bible on TV, so now you know the story. In case you hadn't read the story. There's actually a book about it before the show was on. (laughs) Humor me. He stands in front of Pharaoh, the most powerful leader in the world. He says, God, how will I know that you're sending me? He says, you'll know after it's done. There's the other side of faith. And when you're stepping out and you're having to trust God, and some of you have big decisions coming up, there's things in your life, you have to say, God, I may only be 55% sure, but I'm going to trust you. Here's the thing about wave jumpers. I'm going to close with this. God will not eliminate fear and doubt but he will rise your faith to the place where you're able to step out in action despite your fear and doubt. What is your Philistine army tonight, this morning? Excuse me. It's kind of dark outside. What's your, Philist, what's your Philistine army? What is it that you're looking at that feels like an, a wave that you cannot overcome? And you're saying, God, I'm fearful. I'm doubtful. I don't know how it's going to turn out. And you've been swimming as hard as you can swim to get over this wave and you just can't get past it. What is that in your life? Are you sitting under a pomegranate tree and you're just way too comfortable? Because some of you are too comfortable. You're not trying enough. You're just too comfortable. You're on cruise control. Where are you at this morning? Because if you're going to step out and do what God's called you to do, it's going to take living in perhaps. That you don't really know for sure. You're not 100% sure, but you've got to step out and believe God for it. This young man and his armor bearer step out. And as Paul Harvey says, here's the rest of the story. This young man and his armor bearer step out, and they see an army taken down, surrender, because God called them out to do that. I'm telling you today, I am telling you today, that God is calling some of you to do something whether it's to get rid of something or walk into something and you're just too scared and you just don't know. And I just don't know if I'm I'm really sure. And I believe God's speaking to your heart today saying it's okay if you're 55% sure that's enough for me. I'm going to tell you something. I've I've never regretted one day of leaving South Florida to come here. 
that my wife and I love where we're at. But I'm telling you something, it was the scariest. It was, it was more scary than going to South Florida. It was. Because it was a perhaps. Where are you at today? Bow your head and close your eyes in here with me if you don't mind. And this is so you can focus on God. I'm going to ask you to do that. So if you're looking around, it's hard to look at me and focus on Jesus. Just close your eyes right now and I want you to think where you're at. Some of you have come here today 